Again, last week teaching you, and, I, and I just, I'm just going to pick right up where I left off, kind of rehash it for some of you and move on. I, I want to talk to you about covenant power and blessing tonight. And here's what we're talking about tonight. Who am I? You say, well, you're Eddie Couples. Well, I'm that, but I'm more than that. More than that. I'm a father, but I'm more than that. I'm a son, but I'm more than that. I'm a husband, but I'm more than that. I'm a pastor, but I'm more than that. So when you begin to look at it, is that, that who am I? I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And when I begin to live as that heir because of the covenant, and we begin to talk about that last week, and you can go through all this. Again, I'm going to hit this quickly to get us to where I want to be tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 18 is the whole process there of David and Jonathan coming together in covenant. And the scripture tells us that David and Jonathan came together. There's two families. There's a family of David uh, and his family are after the heart of God. There's, a, there's the family of Jonathan and Saul. And Saul lives to do his own will. Uh, but, but Jonathan and David come together in covenant. And the scripture gives us that whole process there. And we talked last week about how, how strong a covenant is and how powerful that covenant is in the life of a believer and how that you and I can live out that covenant and how that it's, it's important for us to get that. And so we talked last week about how that they made this exchange and, and Scripture gives us all that. I'm going to go back through it real quick. The first act that they did was that they exchanged their coat, they exchanged their belt, and they exchanged their weapons. In other words, they were exchanging their strengths, all right? When you come in the covenant with somebody, and, and here's who we come in the covenant with, we come in the covenant with God. And so when we come into covenant with God, we exchange our strength. And our strength's pretty puny. But his strength. What, you remember what the scripture said? His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And, and so we, we exchange. We give him our, our little bit of strength, our little bit of intellect, our little bit of whatever. But he gives us everything that he has. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God our provider. He gives that to us. He's Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our God our banner. And his banner over us is love. He gives us that. He's Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. And he gives us that. He's Jehovah Shalom, uh, the Lord God our peace. And he gives us that. He's Jehovah Sidkenu. He's Jehovah uh, Makedesh. He's our sanctification. He is our righteousness and he gives that to us and all of a sudden you see me but you don't see me you see him because the Bible says that I am hid with Christ in God the old having passed away and behold all things have become new and so we exchange we move into that exchange David and Jonathan exchanged their strength one to the other the belt the weapon uh, all of the coat all of that signified what they were exchanging then there was the shedding of blood we talked about how that that was the animal but it wasn't just an animal that was shed the blood was shed but also there was a mark that was made in the usually in the hand they would literally cut their hands, each of them, and then they would, they would mingle that blood together. And then they would stoop down usually and put ashes or dirt in that. And I know that's not sanitary, so some of you are freaking out. Uh, but they would put that there so that that mark would stand out from that day on. The Scripture says it this way. God says, I have written you on the palms of my hand. Every time God looks at his hands, he sees us. The Word of God lets us know that there are scars on his hands. He was nailed to the cross for us. Every time Jesus looks at the nail prints, he does not see nail prints, he sees you. 
Oh, come on, you ought to get that. I, every, every time he sees who you are, he sees what he has done on your behalf, and the great thing about it is he always says, forgiven. The blood covenant's unbreakable. When you enter into a blood covenant, you can't break it. It is an unbreakable covenant according to the Word of God. And so that mark is sealed, and you carry that for the rest of your life. That's what baptism is about. Baptism is the mark. The Word of God says that, that the New Testament uh, circumcision is baptism. The Old Testament mark, I don't want to be crude or rude, but the Old Testament mark was the mark of circumcision. The New Testament mark is the mark of baptism. That's why it's important that you get baptized. I'll go a step further. In this process, one of the things they exchange, they exchange names. So it wasn't Jonathan anymore, and it wasn't David anymore. It was David, Jonathan, and Jonathan, David. That's what baptism is about. We take on the name of Jesus in baptism. Well, hallelujah. Some of you just had a light bulb. All right? That's why the Scripture says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Why? Because you are exchanging the name. Oh, I got to go. Oh, this isn't the lesson yet. This is just catching up from last week. They stood between the pieces of the sacrifice that they had split this animal in half and they would literally make a figure eight between the two halves of the animal and between them they would begin to cry out the blessings. They would begin to say, I, I, I bless you with my bank account. I bless you with my family. I and they would begin to cry out the blessings as they walked through this, but they would also cry out the curses. Uh, Deuteronomy 27, 28, God puts uh, the children of Israel between two mountains. He says, to your right is the mount of blessing and to your left is the mount of cursing. If you do what I have called you to do, you will receive. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed going in. You'll be blessed coming out. You'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above, not beneath. But if you don't, you'll be child-bearing. You'll, you'll go through financial difficulty. Your enemies will come in and they will defeat you. God lists these things because when you enter in the covenant, not only do you receive the blessings, well, hallelujah, you also stand for the curse. That's why it's important that we stay in the covenant. All right? So don't blame God when your life falls apart. Don't blame God when mess happens. All right? Why, why is it people don't give God credit when good things are happening? I mean, have you noticed it? I mean, are things going good? Nobody's saying, well, the Lord did that, the Lord did that. But let something bad happen. Let somebody have a car accident. Let, let somebody lose their house. Let somebody, and people go, I can't believe God let me go through that. Then, i, I got to hurry. Then they set up the memorial meal, the covenant meal. And every time that they would do this meal, it was to remind them of the covenant that they had had. It, it's, it's the New Testament where Jesus comes together with his disciples to do the covenant meal, and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. And he says, as often as you do this, he goes through this whole thing. And then we begin to talk out of, out of and you can read all this when you get home, don't have time to do it, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9 is the story after David has come into the throne, where, where David is now king, the word of God says that Jonathan and Saul have died in battle. Jonathan and Saul uh, are now dead, but David has a covenant with Jonathan that outlives death. We have a covenant with God Almighty that was greater than death. Jesus died, but the covenant is greater than his death. 
The covenant is greater than what he went through on the cross. The cross was wonderful. The cross was great. But the cross wasn't the end. It was the beginning. He ascended, the scripture said, into hell. He came forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he, now the scripture says he has ascended upon high and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. Now that's what's going on right now. And he has given us power and he's given us authority. And so David, he finally gets the kingdom kind of settled and he remembers the covenant. I don't know, I think he looked down at his hand one day and he went, oh, Jonathan. And he says, is there anybody of the household of Jonathan that I may do good to them? And they looked around in the palace and they found an old, old servant named Ziba. And they went to Ziba and they said, Ziba, you have served Saul. You were, in, you, were in, you were one of Saul's servants. Is there anybody? And he said, yeah, there's a crippled kid. When, when Saul and Jonathan were killed, he was a little baby and his nurse was running with him. She fell on him. She crippled him. And he lives out in Lodibar. Now, Lodibar means a desert place. Any of you been in Lodibar? Come on. Some of you have been living in Lodibar. And you may have called it Jackson, you may have called it Finger, you may have called it, you know, wherever. But you've been living in Lodibar. You might as well just change the name of it. It's Lodibar. It's a desert place. There's nothing happening good. There's nothing going on that you think ought to be going on. And the Word of God says, and again, you can catch all this from last week. The Word of God says that they go, they get Mephibosheth, they bring him. The whole thing about Mephibosheth is he's a rebel. He is angry. He hates David. He hates everything about David. They bring him into the kingdom, into the palace. There's, there's the king sitting on the throne. The Word of God says there in that chapter uh, of, of 2 Samuel chapter 9, it says that they, they bring him before the king and King David says, I'm going to give you all this stuff. Those, the, even, he said, I'm not even going to give you just what your daddy had. He said, I'm going to give you everything your grandfather had. Huh. It sounds like the riches of the wicked are laid up for the righteous to me. Amen. That sounds like that, that a, a godly man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Hallelujah. And he said, I'm going to give you everything your grandfather had. And, he, and, and watch this. The scripture says, Mephibosheth said to him, I am a dead dog. Why in the world are you doing this for me? And David says, it's not because of you. It is because of the covenant that I made with Jonathan. The reason that you and I can celebrate being believers today, the reason that you and I have the ability to approach the throne of grace boldly tonight is not because we have done good enough. It's not because we have, have lived well enough. It is because there was a covenant made with Jesus Christ the righteous who has now imputed that covenant to us and you and I now have a right because of what our elder brother Jesus did so that now we can come boldly before the throne of God to make our petitions known. And, and there's, there's this whole thing there that happens. And so the scripture says, and you know what? I got to rereading that today, and it messed with me because I had never seen something in there. The, the word of God says, go home and read it. Uh, in the latter part of chapter 9, it says that David spoke to Ziba, and he said to Ziba, he said, you see the land of Saul. You see everything that Mephibosheth's grandfather and father had. He said, from this day forward, you and your sons and your servants are to work that for him you say what does that mean that means that you and I are to move in the sweatless victories no you missed it 
according to the word of God, if I am in covenant, it's not that I am working to achieve. It's not that I am working to get. Literally, listen what the Bible says. I'll give you word that'll make you feel better. The word says that the angels are ministering spirits sent to minister for or on behalf of the heirs of God. We are the heirs. We are the ones that the ministering spirits are sent to work on behalf of. Oh, help me. It is not I'm trying to make this stuff happen. It's not that I'm trying to get this to happen. I am going to sit back and rest in the covenant that Jesus Christ established with God Almighty. And now he is going to release the servants of the Most High. Man, I, that will light your fire. Man, I'll make you happy if you get to thinking about it. Amen. Come on, start putting some angels on assignment. St start beginning to release the angels that have been assigned to you. Start giving them something to work with. Instead of opening your mouth all the time and saying, everything's bad in my house, nothing good ever happens here, oh, it's horrible. Do you know what the Word of God says? Here's what the Bible says, that the, that the angels go forth to perform the words of God. Why don't you start saying, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored? Why don't you begin to say, I'm the head and not the tail? Why don't you begin to say, I am blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. Now, angels, I'm giving you something to work with. Now, go out and begin to bring in what my covenant rights are, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done. I mean, we, we going around here, we're living just like the world. World gets in a recession, the church gets in a recession. The world gets sick, the church gets sick. The, the world goes through depression, the church goes through depression. Wait a minute. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. How is my soul prospering? My soul prospers by the words of my mouth. What comes out of my mouth impacts my soul. So when I speak what God says about my situation and not what the recession says and not what the doctor says and not what the lawyer says and not what everybody else is saying, but I say this is what God says. I'm trying not to preach, but it's hard. I thought I was just going to do a little teaching. It's time that we begin to live that way, that we begin to understand that he who has begun a good work in us is going to complete it. John 10, 10, the thief comes for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that you can have life and it. And I'll be glad when I get to heaven. I ain't going to have any needs in heaven. Hallelujah. And I'd be glad, you know, one of these days we're going to walk on streets of gold. I'm going to be healed and healthy and wise and whole. Why don't you have a little bit of heaven down here? Why don't you just decide that you're in covenant with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and everything he's got is yours. Now everything you've got is his, so quit being so gum stingy. If he's willing to give his only begotten son, anything he asks of you is less. Anything. 
So we, we just, we just got to be willing to, to, to walk this covenant thing out. Now, now, now let me, let me well, got to get into this, Lord, help me. I'm preaching and I should be teaching. All right? Now, Mephibosheth comes before and, and, and he goes through that whole thing. He says, I'm going to give you your land of your father and your grandfather. You're going to live in my palace. Here's what the scripture says. I'll give you another word. The Bible says, now we sit together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say one day in the sweet by and by. It doesn't say one, you know, some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the, it doesn't say I'll be glad when I fly away. It doesn't say all those stupid old songs we used to sing. It, I just offended somebody. It says now we sit together. I'm not waiting till I get to heaven to sit in the heavenlies. According to Scripture, I am already sitting in the heavenlies right now, and I have been given the same authority. Now, hang on, because you're going to get messed up, some of you. I have the same authority that Jesus has right now. No, you didn't hear me. You said, I don't believe that. You Then you don't believe the Word. Because Jesus said, I'm not staying here, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another one to you. He's going to be the helper, and when he comes, he's going to lead you in all truth. And he said, oh yeah, by the way, all these things that you have seen me do, greater things than this shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. So that means that the authority has now not been given to Jesus on earth, the authority... If the authority were given to Jesus on earth at this point in time, then everybody would be saved, everybody would be healed, everybody would be going to heaven. The authority, wow, that just messed some of you up. The authority has been given to us. We operate, and I get into trouble every time I do this, but we operate as little gods with a little g. You're not equal with God, you're not, but you have been given the same authority It's, why do we not have any trouble calling ourselves sons of God? If I'm a son of God, I've got a son of couples sitting over here. Therefore, he is a couples. Right? If I am a son of God, you do the math. I won't say it because it will just mess some people up. But we've got to start living differently. We, we've got to quit allowing everything around us to dictate to us how we live. Now, now watch this. Mephibosheth starts sitting in the, in the place. He doesn't feel like he deserves it. He, he knows the hatred that's been in his heart. But you know what? It wasn't based on him. It was based on his daddy. It was based on what his father and David had done. It's not based on you. Your relationship with God is not based on you. You ought to get free in that. I mean, why is it that if we prayed before we came to church and, and we, you know, we might have even missed a meal this week and we did, well, we feel, oh, I'm worshiping, hallelujah, oh, glory to God. But if we had the wrong thought or we said the wrong thing or we flipped somebody off or, I know y'all don't do that, but get the bird out of the window if the fish is on the bumper, all right? And, and. I hadn't said that in a while, so I just thought I'd help some of you. Uh, you, you know, you, 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 we, we, we build ourselves up, 
And I, I, believe in, I believe in the pursuit of holiness. I believe in the pursuit of righteousness. I believe in all those things. I, I know that. But listen, it is, I will never, ever one day in my life be righteous enough for God to love me, to care for me, to save me. I am loved by God. I am righteous because of what Jesus Christ did on a cross 2,000 years ago. And I rest in that covenant, that blood covenant that was given. Now, 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 let's do this. Here's what's got to happen. Once you come into relationship, the process, if you want a word for it, the, the, the biblical theological word is sanctification. All right? And that's what happens to us is we come in, we're justified, we instantly enter into the covenant. Mephibosheth goes in a few minutes' time from a desert, rebellious terrorist to the king's palace. I mean, it's like that. I, I have people tell me all the time, I, 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 I won't be good here. My wife's in the back, so I can do this. Uh, I have people tell me all the time, you make salvation too easy. I said, what do you mean? Well, people need to come to the altar, and they need to roll around. They need to cry. And they, need, you know, they, need to, they need to pray through, brother. I said, what does that mean? Well, I mean, you know, when I got saved, I got saved the real way. Well, what does that mean? You know, what that means is most of us wore out the saints of the Most High because we went to the altar every time there was an altar call, and we, we, we repented of stuff we hadn't even done. I mean, we just made stuff up. I mean, I was seven years old when I got saved. I mean, how much sinning can you do at seven? I mean, I was pretty bad, but... I mean, you know, I, you know, I hadn't robbed any banks. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't committed adultery. I, you know, I, it was, you know, I'd lied and got mad at my sister and you know, talk back to my parents a few times. What's wrong with y'all? Uh, you know, it, it wasn't something, you know, we, <laughs> no, listen, it's not too easy to get saved. Jesus made it easy. It, it's the same process as Mephibosheth. I was over here, but now I've changed direction and I'm over here. Do I still have some junk? Bubba, you bet I got some junk, but now I'm sitting at the king's table. I'm hanging out with the king's kid. I'm even wearing kingly clothes. Do I deserve it? Heck no. But I have been given the righteousness of God. I have been released and brought into the palace because of a blood covenant that Jesus Christ made on my behalf. And, and, and this whole loaded bond thing, you know, he, I mean, he, he, he had to die to some things. Once, once you come into the kingdom, then you start dying. You really do. You, you start dying to things once you come into the kingdom. I don't, you don't die to stuff when you're still out there. When he left Lodibar, he had to die to the old friends. He, 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 you know, he couldn't be going back down every Saturday night and hanging out with Lodibarians. That sounds like a 70s group, doesn't it? R&B group. DeBarge. And, sorry, got sidetracked. All right, I, I mean, it, it, yeah, he, he, can't, he can't go about, yeah, no, he is, he is now breaking those patterns. He is now moving out of that lifestyle. He is now getting away from the communication. He is now changing his direction. He is changing his focus. And watch this, the first day he's in David's house, he still hates David. He sits at the table, you, you're not getting this. He sits at the table and he says, he didn't say it to anybody. 
He says it to himself. You, do, you know we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anybody. He says to himself, that's the guy that made me crippled. He sees him. I've been crippled since I was five years old because of that man. I'll be crippled all the days of my life because of that man. I hate his guts. Oh, Pastor, the day I got saved, everything about me changed, and it was just so wonderful, and I just was so in love, and I just, you're so full of something, and it's not Jesus. I mean, come on, we, we make this stuff up. We, 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 we place on people this false sense of what really happens at salvation. When, when I got saved, I still wanted to sin. Don't want to mess your world up, I still do. Well, glory. And for every one of you, for every one of you who just judged me, you just did. Now, I, I don't want to as much most days. But but I you know it's it's you know Apostle Paul said there's a war that's in me. He said there, there's there's a law of sin and death. But he said, but thanks be unto God, which giveth me the victory. See, so it's not wrong to struggle. It's not wrong to sit at the king's table and still be angry at the king. Listen, some of you have been through some tough stuff. Some of you grew up in places that you shouldn't have had to grow up in. Some of you grew up with, with parents and grandparents and family members who abused you, who mistreated you, who you, you lived in poverty, you lived without having the bed, you lived with all kind of stuff, and, and there, there are moments in your life that you go, God, this is not fair. And if you've never done that, you've never gotten real. Why am I going through it? You know why? Even after you're a believer for a while. I mean, Mephibosheth, every morning some servant comes and helps dress him, and it's wonderful. I'm getting dressed. I'm being, But as soon as I'm dressed, I have to reach over and pick up the crutches because I'm still crippled. And, and I, I look good as long as I'm sitting down, but when I have to get up, everybody knows I'm a cripple. And it's not fair that I'm a cripple. I didn't do anything to be a cripple. It happened to me when I was a kid. My nurse fell on me. It wasn't fair what happened to me as a kid. And you know what? We can dress it up any way we want to, and we can tell people, now, if you really just had enough faith, but read the Bible. He was the king's kid sitting at the king's table, but the entirety of his life, he was crippled. We tell people, I just need to stop. We tell people, if you'll just come to Jesus, everything will be made right. And that's a lie. Now, salvationally, everything is made right. Heavenly, everything is made right. But when 
you deal with people who have life issues, you find out that it doesn't matter that now they know Jesus. Now that sounds, that, I, that just messes with people when I say stuff like that. Let, let me just use me. My father was killed. You've heard me talk about it. My father was killed when I was 14 years old. That wrecked my world. That still wrecks my world on occasion. And I speak in tongues more than you all. Uh, one or two of you speak more than I do. But. Well, if you, you just, man of God, you. No, no, no. I, I went through a horrible thing. I went through something no kid ever ought to have to go through. I grew up without a dad when I needed him the most. That wasn't fair, God. Especially when he said, you send him to Africa to preach the gospel. See my wound? See my crippleness? Oh, I can pretend most time it's not there. But when I get real, it's still there. And I can say all the words of confession, and I still believe that God is able, and I don't stay up at nights crying, and I don't live my life, but I want you to know there are moments when I stand up, I still walk with a limp. And if you don't understand that, you will be the most frustrated believers on the face of the earth because you will think that everybody else has got it together and you don't. And what I will tell you is they're just better at faking it than you are. Nobody gets through this life unscathed. I'll probably even go a step further. I don't know many people that get through their childhood unscathed. Most of us, if we were to be honest, have those moments, have those things, have those times that crippled us. And we have to learn how to deal with being crippled. Ask Jacob. When did Jacob change? Jacob changed when he got crippled. Jacob goes from Jacob, deceiver, to Israel, one who has power with God, when the angel knocks his hip out of socket. And the Bible says he limped upon his hip the rest of his days. Whew, aren't you glad we prayed earlier? See, when, when, you, when you begin to understand that, what you find is, is that th there's this whole process of, in the sense of David and Jonathan, uh, you have basically Saul's family is like, this, like man. It's, it's that fleshly family. And David's family, and can I just share something with you? I, Kirk Franklin said something recently that messed me up. How many of y'all know who Kirk Franklin is? Kirk Franklin is more of a preacher than he is a singer. He is. And I was listening to him, and Kirk said, do you think that when God called David, now listen, when he called David, 
from out being with the sheep that he did not know what the future was going to be in David's life? And I went, I've been preaching for 133 years. I never thought about that. I mean, I knew God forgave him. I knew it, but it was, it was always like, well, it kinda, that one caught God by surprise. No, come on, think for a minute. Do you know that when God chose David from following after the sheep, that God knew David would commit adultery and David would commit murder and David would do other sins, and yet God still said, he's a man after my own heart. He's the one I want. So see, your messes don't take God by surprise. Your failures of the past, those things that you have gone through, those situations that you grew up in, those things that took place in the last 20 years, 30 years, however long, all those things, God still chose you while you were still following behind a bunch of sheep, but he still knew all the messes you were going to make to this point, but your messes do not stop your destiny. You say, that, you mean God calls that? I didn't say that. I didn't say God made David sin. God didn't make, but God knew David was going to sin. And God still says, that's who I want. Now, if you didn't get anything out of this whole teaching, you ought to get that one, write it down, and live off of it. Because there, there's a, there's a, there has to be a shifting. So many of us live from legalistic perspective with God. And we don't live out of covenant. And again, I'm not trying to tell you, hey, it doesn't matter how you live. Just live any way you want to. Do anything you want to. Live any lifestyle you want to. Just do it. It's all okay. God loves you and it's going to be wonderful. That's not what I'm preaching. Why? Because if I really love God, I'm going to try to do better. If I really understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for me, I'm sure not going to trample through the blood of Jesus and just, just live anyway. No, I'm going to do what I to the best of my ability. But you know what? When I mess up, I'm still going to run quickly to the advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, and I'm going to say, I messed up. Jesus came as God in flesh, the Bible says. And here's, the, here's the paradox. Jesus is God, but he's also man. I don't understand that. I can't explain it to you. But Scripture says he was fully God, but he was fully man. Scripture says this way. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in Jesus. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. That's the only, that's the only bodily picture that we have of God. Everything else is spirit. Holy Spirit, the Father, all that's kind of a, an ethereal. It, it, there, there's no aspect there of God sitting up there with a big, long, gray beard. Get that out of your mind. And there's some kind of floaty, you know, vapor over here. And it, it, we, we just, come on, it's, the, the Scripture says there's one who sits on the throne. Go read it. All right? So in, in the concept, Jesus comes fully man but fully God. Here's the deal. Fully the family of Saul but fully the family of David. And when no one else could enter into covenant with God, Jesus did. As man to God on our behalf. So Jesus represents man. But the Bible says that we were in Christ. 
Come on, think with me another 10 minutes and I'll be done. The Bible says that we were in Christ. So if I were in Christ, then when Christ died, I died. But when Christ rose again, because of the covenant, I rose again. And so I live in that covenant. But you remember, and, and we'll close with this. Do you remember just before he dies what he does? He calls the disciples together, and he has communion with them. And what he says is, he does the whole thing, and, and I know it's the Passover meal. I understand all that. And, and they, do, they do the whole process. Of, there's, there's four cups that they take through the process. And, and, and the first one at the beginning of the meal, uh, he said, this is my body, as he hands out the bread and, and the, uh, the wine at that point. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. They go through the whole meal. And then at the end of the meal, he hands them the cup. And he now says, with this cup, and we've been doing all this, all this other stuff's been Old Testament, Old Covenant stuff. But then with this cup, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And he said, as often as you drink this, remember what I've done for you. He said, until I come back, he said, do it and remember do you, do you remember the point, and boy, i got to be careful. Do you remember the point where Jesus looked at the, the group one day and he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in my kingdom. Can I do this, Lord? There is something that we have not understood in the Protestant church about the bread and the cup. If Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, how did that happen? Scripture says it happened through the communion, what we call communion. Now, I'm not teaching transubstantiation. That means that it becomes the literal flesh and the literal blood. That's not what I'm teaching. But I am teaching it's much more than we have known in the Protestant church. It's much more powerful when we come together at that covenant meal because that covenant meal signifies what Jesus has done for us. Here's, here's the deal. <laughs> Jesus said, or excuse me, Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 31, 31. You can look it up later. He said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Jeremiah said, that's coming. Jesus said, I've done it. All right? And because of the blood of Jesus, we are now a new creation. My sins are not remembered. Hey, whatever I did yesterday, what, listen, whatever I did before about an hour ago, because I always pray for cleansing before I come into the house to, to minister. You know, I pray for sins of omission and sins of commission. Somebody said, what sins of commission? That's sins that we do. He said, what sins of omission? Those sins we forgot to do. Stay with me. All right? And, and I, so as of whatever happened an hour and 30 minutes ago, they're no longer remembered. They're gone. And they're never going to be remembered against me anymore. Now, I don't know what your stand is on security and all that, but, but if I leave here tonight and become the worst ranked sinner for the rest of my life, the sins that I had committed until this point will never be held against me. They are gone. 
they are put as far as the east is from the west. Why? Because of the covenant. So this memorial meal is the covenant, the blood covenant meal. What is it about? Do you know what? When we come together and we partake of the Lord's Supper, and we'll be doing that as, as part of this series, we may start doing that every Sunday. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess some of your worlds up. That's where more, he, more healings ought to take place at communion than any other time. More deliverance, more whatever. It, it ought to happen at communion. Why? Because we are remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. But here's the deal. I have to make the choice. Am I going to live the family of Saul or am I going to live the family of David? Am I going to be Mephibosheth? Do I choose? I may sit on the, on the seat and I may have the robes on, but am I still inside seething and angry at David or am I becoming more like David? You, you study Mephibosheth's story and we won't do that anymore, but I don't think. I'm right. I don't know. Uh, you, you study Mephibosheth's story and you'll find out a little bit later Mephibosheth rebels again. He backslides. Go home, read it. Backslides. He rebels against David, winds up. David finds him. He hadn't shaved and hadn't took care of himself. And he falls on David, and David says, Oh, you're forgiven. Come on back. It was that easy. Boom, you're back. Okay, it's all all right. And now, brother, I think, yeah, I know. But Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Jesus washed it white as snow.